This episode is part of Glendale Library Arts and Cultures and the Southern California Library Cooperative's Be the Change series, which focuses on inclusion, diversity, equity, anti-racism. Be the Change events will build collective understanding of systemic racism, elevate the voices and stories of Black, Indigenous, and people of color, and inspire our community to be the change. Hi, everyone. It's Melissa. And Desiree. Welcome to another episode of Teen Gen Talks, where the goal is to empower the youth of Glendale and connect youth to community resources, individuals, and organizations through interviews and discussions. Today's special guest is Valerie Gomez. Valerie is the granddaughter and daughter of Salvadorian immigrants, a first-generation college graduate, and a rising third-year PhD student in the Education Studies Department at UCSD. She is also the founder of Latina Grad Guide, a social impact venture that supports Latinas interested in graduate and professional education through quarterly workshops, networking opportunities, and digital campaigns. In her free time, she enjoys spending time with her family, going on hikes, and learning how to dance salsa and bachata. And follow us on our socials on Facebook and Instagram at LAC. Also, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to the, the YouTube channel at Glendale Library Arts and Culture, where we post full episodes every Friday at 4.30 p.m. Thank you, Valerie, for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. We have a lot to discuss. Thank you all so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to tell you a little bit about my story and to also learn about you all as well. Awesome. So to start off the interview, you earned your BA in anthropology from UCLA, a master's degree in counseling with an option in student development and higher education from CSULB. And you are now a rising third year PhD student in the education studies department at UCSD. So how has this educational journey been for you and what made you decide to pursue these avenues? I think like many first-generation children of immigrants, my academic trajectory and journey was really challenging, especially because neither of my parents have a college degree. So when I was applying to college, they really weren't familiar with the college application process and really weren't able to provide me the support that I needed to apply to college. And as a high school student, I really wasn't the best high school student. So I wasn't tracked as a college bound student, which means that I didn't necessarily receive the supports from the counselors and teachers at my high school to apply to college. So I had to navigate that entire process alone and it was really scary. It was daunting. At times I felt like I wanted to give up but from a very early age, my parents and grandparents instilled a deep value of education. So I knew that I had to go to college. I just didn't know how I was gonna get there. And so I decided that instead of going to university, and I really didn't have that many options anyway, because mm -hmm. like I said, I wasn't your straight A 4.0 student. Mm -hmm. I think I had only gotten admitted into one university and it was out of state. So that was completely out of the question. My parents would never let me move away from home <laughs> that far away and out of state tuition is just really, it's ridiculous. So I decided that I would go to my local community college. And um, I don't know if community colleges still have this negative stigma today, but when I was in high school, going to community college was 
a no. Only students who weren't um, academically prepared for university went to community college. And I quickly learned that that's not the case. And my community college experience in some ways was even better than my experience at UCLA where I went to undergrad. So I enjoyed community college to the fullest. I was really involved with different extracurricular activities, specifically the speech and debate team. And I think that's really where I developed most, not just as a student, but also as a person because I was exposed to a lot of different ideas from students across the country, uh, when I entered community college, I think I was very conservative in my views. Um, my parents also hold very conservative views and really, I was really isolated in my ways of thinking and being exposed to new ideas really broadened my horizon. So that was kind of my pathway to my community college. I really excelled. I really got excited about learning, which wasn't something that I uh, enjoyed as a high school student but I found that I enjoyed reading and learning history. And that's when I chose my major as anthropology. And I will say that at the time when I selected that major, I wasn't necessarily thinking about the um, job prospects after graduation. I really just chose the major because it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I really didn't think about like, I need to get a job after graduation and like, what am I going to do with this major? So I just went for it and I enjoyed it. And the transfer process, it was challenging as well. A lot of loopholes and little intricacies that you need to know in order to graduate, you know, within two years, if that's your goal, which was mine at the time, but I had an amazing counselor who really helped me navigate that process. And I really thank her for being kind of my mentor and she stuck by me even when I transferred to UCLA I went to graduate school she's someone that I really connected with and so that was like my community college experience and then I when I went to UCLA wow that was a culture shock at the time I think only 16% of the undergraduate students at UCLA identified as Latina, Latino, Latinx. And so it was a very isolating experience. My first year especially was the hardest for several reasons. One, the academic rigor. I don't think I was necessarily prepared for like the amount of readings and the assignments that I was getting at UCLA, you know, I think every week I was assigned like 300 pages of readings and I didn't have the tools to understand how to be strategic about reading that amount of pages per week, like, you know, creating study groups or skimming, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was really hard and I felt like I just didn't belong. I didn't feel like I was smart enough. I doubted myself so much and I think the other piece that made UCLA really hard for me was that I was away from home mm -hmm. and it wasn't too far away, actually. I'm from LA. Mm -hmm. So without traffic, it's like a 35 minute drive mm -hmm. with traffic. It's like two hours sometimes. So I wasn't too far away from home, but I'm really family oriented. I'm the eldest of four siblings and all my sisters and I were pretty close. I'm really close with my cousins and my grandparents. 
So I felt so lonely. I miss my family so much. And actually the first year that I was at UCLA, I went home like every single weekend. On Friday after classes were done, my mom would come pick me up. I didn't have a car or my cousin would come and I would spend the whole weekend at home. And then I would hate Sundays because I would have to go back to school. And I hadn't made any friends and my roommate and I, we weren't vibing. So everything I felt was like so horrible that first year. I think I cried like every day. It was just really, really bad. And surprisingly though, my grades were like the best that first Mm -hmm. year. And I think maybe it was because I didn't have any friends and I didn't have time to like socialize and like do other things. I was just focused on my academics. So that first year, it really sucked. And I think a lot of first year, first time students and transfer students go through something similar. Hmm. Although I think there are a lot of support services now that can help students navigate that process. And really what kind of um, like changed that for me was being connected with a Latina-based sorority. And that really changed my entire experience for the better. So I really recommend um, finding community, whatever that looks like for you at college. For me, it was my sorority. I'm a member of Lambda Theta Nu Sorority Incorporated. And I felt like the friendships that I made as an undergraduate student they've really, they've blossomed throughout the years and I continue to stay connected with those women. And they are truly my best friend. Like really my best friend is um, my sorority sister. And we've spent, you know, the past 10 years creating this beautiful memories, both inside and outside Mm -hmm. of school. And I think finding that community was really key for me to to my success Mm -hmm. at UCLA. But again, like I told you all, when I chose my major, I wasn't thinking about what the next steps were going to be. Mm-hmm. So when I graduated, I kind of panicked uh, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my parents being like your typical Latino immigrant parents, they had like this idea that I was going to be a lawyer, right? There's like three options in our community. You're a doctor, you're a lawyer, or you're a teacher. And to them, like they wanted me to be a lawyer. And so I wasn't necessarily sure if that was a path that I wanted to take. Mm -hmm. I did have several internships um, in government and policy as an undergraduate student. And I studied in Washington, D.C. and had an internship there as well. So that was something that I was exploring, but I wasn't really, really sure if that's what I wanted. And so I had like a gap year. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a gap year or how long I would uh, be working, but because going to law school is something that I was thinking about, I I was applying to be a legal assistant just widely anywhere. I remember applying to like 50 jobs and getting like two interviews. And one of them was uh, as a legal assistant for an entertainment nonprofit, actually um, in Westwood, so really close to UCLA. Mm -hmm. I got the opportunity and I spent a year working and connecting with the attorneys that worked in the legal department of this nonprofit organization. And I determined law school is not for me. Um, (laughs) uh, And I took that year, not just to get work experience, Mm. but to really reflect about uh, what I wanted in life, what my strengths were, where I could really use those strengths to do good. 
because that's something that's really important in the work that I do is mm -hmm. to find meaning and purpose. And that's kind of um, what sparked this journey into my current, uh, you know, experience here as a PhD student, but also my previous professional experiences working in higher education. You also have experience working in higher education, supporting the academic success of transfer and undocumented students. Could you talk a little bit more about that experience and what it means to you? Yeah, sure. So when I, you know, took that gap year, I explored, I decided to do my master's in counseling with an option in student development in higher ed at Cal State Long Beach. And like in many master's program, there's like this practicum requirement or like this requirement for you to get experience in the workforce and in the field that you're pursuing. So I worked everywhere. My program was three years long and it was really exciting for me to get to you know, learn different, what we call functional areas in higher education. There are so many places for professionals to work in higher ed. So I worked um, as a student development fellow at the Dream Center at Cal State Long Beach. I worked in like sorority and fraternity affairs at Dominguez Hills, which is a, a Cal State University. I also worked for the Extended Opportunities Programs and Services Office at Los Angeles Harbor College, which is a community college in the South Bay. So I had all of these experiences and really my goal was to identify the area where I thrived the most and where I really enjoyed the work that I was doing. And so after graduating from Cal State Long Beach, I got a job as a counselor and coordinator of undocumented student programs and transfer programs at the University of California, Irvine. And I loved that position for several reasons. I loved my coworkers. I know sometimes it's really hard to find a workplace that feels like home, that's welcoming. Yeah. And I found that there. And I'm so appreciative of all of my colleagues who I, who I worked with there because they really made work not feel like work. They made it feel fun. Uh, the work that we were doing was really impacting students on our campus. So I really enjoyed that part. And I also really enjoyed working with our students and helping them, you know, find their strengths and find their, um, you know, majors and maybe even figure out grad school and what job prospects look like after graduation. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that part. And as a former transfer student myself, I felt especially connected to our transfer students at UC Irvine. And it was my time at UC Irvine <laughs> that I decided that I wanted to go back to school and get my PhD. So when I was working at UCI, I taught a year-long class with one of my colleagues who at the time was the assistant director of the Dream Center and then the following year alongside the director of the Dream Center there and I loved that even more than I loved my work with directly working with our students. I loved being in the classroom and I loved you know learning alongside students because I also I think like my teaching philosophy or my pedagogical approach to teaching and learning is that it's this process that both the student and myself are engaging in. It's, mm -hmm. it's reciprocal. So I have something, you know, um, to give and so do students. And that, that I really enjoyed that process. And I also, I didn't talk about this, um, I don't think, but in my graduate program, I conducted research and I really enjoyed that process too. So those 
two things coupled together, my love of research and my love of teaching is what informed my decision to go back and do my PhD. Awesome. And you also founded Latina Grad Guide. Um, what was the inspiration behind Latina Grad Guide? I think my personal experience and my experience working with my students. So like I said, you know, I'm a first gen student. I'm the daughter of immigrants. My parents didn't really have the knowledge or tools to help me navigate the college application process. And I experienced some of those same challenges when I was applying to graduate school. I didn't really have too many mentors, although my sorority was kind of a professional network that I reached out to when I was in the process of applying to graduate school. So they were a really great help, but I felt like there were still gaps and um, I didn't have you know, the mentors again or anyone really that could help me navigate the grad school process. And I felt like my friends who were also applying to graduate school were going through similar things. And I, I, at the time, you know, when you graduate from university, sometimes you no longer have access to like the career center or to the resources that they offer. I know at the time, I think after a year of graduating, like you had to pay to access their career center services. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of these roadblocks that I had to navigate when I was applying to grad school. And I just didn't want other graduate students or prospective graduate students to have to encounter those roadblocks. Like I wanted to provide information that made the application process a little bit easier for Mm -hmm. other Latinas and other people in our community. And when I was working at UC Irvine, I was seeing the same things of my students or the students there is that especially the transfers, because when you transfer, typically you have like two to three years um, to graduate. And that's a little bit of time to do a lot of things Mm -hmm. because, you know, you want to get internship experience, you want to get research experience, you're adjusting to the academic rigor of university. So graduate school kind of um, doesn't really come into the fore until maybe like your last year. And by that time, it, it could be a little too late because some of the components of the graduate school application process include letters of recommendation from your professors. And so if you didn't really spend time making those connections early on in your time at university, then it becomes a little bit harder. It's mm-hmm. obviously not impossible. It's just a little bit harder. And so I was thinking to myself, there needs to be a way to disseminate this information, especially uh, to our Latinx community because I saw larger gaps there. And that's when I created Latina Grad Guide. And really my focus was to provide that information about graduate professional school, but also to uplift and celebrate the stories of current and former graduate and professional students, there's this saying that you can't be what you can't see. And oftentimes we're not aware of all of the amazing mujeres or individuals in our lives who you know, are professionals. And so I really wanted my platform to be a space to really highlight their stories and their journeys and experiences in order to demystify not just the application process, but the experience in graduate school and to connect aspiring graduate students with professionals in their fields. And I also wanted to provide tangible resources uh, for individuals applying to graduate school. So we know 
right, that there are gaps, but there are also financial barriers that might inhibit students from applying to graduate school. And so throughout these past two years, it's been two years already, it's oh, wow. kind of, yeah, it's a while to think about. Um, I've been able to collaborate with the Princeton Review, for example, and Kaplan Inc. and just recently Magoosh to provide scholarship opportunities, discounts on um, GRE preparation, for example, free GRE textbooks, LSAT prep books. Um, I think we've even done giveaways for CSET prep books. And I'm currently in the process of establishing something else that I, I, will, I won't share now until it's 100% final that will provide additional financial resources to Latinas who are pursuing graduate and professional school. Latina Grad Guide has quarterly workshops. How do you prepare for those? And what has been your favorite workshop? Um, it does take a lot of time and, you know, I am a PhD student and I'm currently working and, you know, I'm also like a sibling and a daughter and so I have a lot of familial obligations. So it has been really hard to navigate all of those things and then navigating all of those things within a global pandemic, like, yeah. wow, <laughs> it has, I don't even know how I've survived this past like year and a half because the first year in the pandemic like my mental health and even physical health really suffered mm -hmm. and so these past few months I've kind of started to get out of that funk a little bit because I do feel like maybe I was a little bit you know depressed or not myself I did seek uh, therapy for that and I would highly encourage folks to do that especially if you're in college, because it's like free or low cost. Mm -hmm. And I started to work out, which I think has lifted my mood a lot. So it was hard, but time management is key for me. I, my Google calendar is like my best friend. <laughs> like if it's not on my Google calendar, it's not happening. So I literally even like outings with friends, like it's on my Google calendar. I've told like some of my friends, like, can you send me a calendar invite for like our dinner? <laughs> because it, <laughs> I like live by my Google calendar and I do a lot of time blocking too for mm -hmm. like writing, reading, mm -hmm. thinking, all of those things require um, a lot of time. And so mm -hmm. I make sure to schedule it into my calendar, even my weekends, like it could be overwhelming. Maybe I shouldn't do it on weekends, like the time blocking, because <laughs> that can also cause a little bit of anxiety. So using my calendar um, and taking some time typically in the summer to really think about the upcoming year, calendar year for Latina Grad Guide and what some of the needs of my constituents mm -hmm. or my following are. So I get a lot of DMs every day um, <laughs> about different questions, like um, you know, financing graduate school, scholarship opportunities, support, like asking to read um, personal statements or just like, where do I even start? And so based on those requests, that really informs the topics of the quarterly workshops that I host. But I wanna say that my favorite has to be it's not necessarily like an academic based workshop mm -hmm. but it was a workshop that I co-hosted with some of my colegas on IG who are also like in this academic influencer space although like I wouldn't consider myself like an influencer but we co-hosted love in academia mm -hmm. and 
it was one of our most popular workshops. And I think why I enjoyed it the most is because we don't necessarily talk about romantic relationships in academia. Like um, my experience has been that you leave like your personal issues and your identity at the door when you enter mm. university or the classroom, which I don't, I don't think is healthy or productive in any way. So I didn't, you know, really talk about those things with my peers. And I found through this workshop that a lot of graduate students were experiencing the same, some challenges um, in their romantic relationships while they navigated graduate school, because graduate school really challenges you in so many ways. And when I started graduate school, I was at the time in a seven year relationship that started when I was an undergraduate student. And, you know, I moved, I moved away from home to do my PhD. And so now I'm about two hours away from home. And my partner at the time, he also was living near where I lived. And that really took a toll on our relationship. And it was really hard mm -hmm. to navigate. And I heard the same thing from other individuals. And we talked about different strategies to ensure that, you know, we're making time to cultivate romantic relationships. But I heard from a lot of mothers as well and parents or individuals who are caregivers about the toll that graduate school takes on your family generally, especially as daughters, um, you know, eldest siblings and all of the responsibilities that come with that as well. And so I'll just share one story. I, I mentioned earlier that I'm really close with my family, including my cousins, and I will never forget this. And my cousin-in-law is like, Valerie, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, so it was her 30th birthday and like 30 is such a big year for someone mm -hmm. um, and she was celebrating it and I think I forget where exactly but it was like a big deal and I think I had like assignments or an essay or just I was feeling overwhelmed it was my mm -hmm. first quarter um, of my PhD program and I was like hey you know I'm not going to be able to make it and she was like okay like I understand but then Months later, actually, once I was in therapy, I realized that, you know, I'm more than a student and that it's okay for me not to give 100% to all of my assignments. It's okay for me to skip on something if that means that I'm spending time with my family because family is something that I value. And so if that's what I value, then I'm willing to sacrifice other things to ensure that I'm doing things that I love. And so after that therapy session, like I text my cousin-in-law, this like long text message, like oh. apologizing for missing her 30th birthday and that I would never do that again and that I love her and that, you know, and she was like, it's okay. Like I've forgiven yeah. you. But now um, I'm more gracious with myself when I have to, you know, maybe give 70% in class or 70% to an assignment because I decided that that weekend I was going to go hang out with my sisters and mm -hmm. that's okay. And that's, it took me a long time to get here, but I'm happy that I did. And it shows that networking is a huge aspect in Latina Grad Guide and in your life as well. So um, how, do you have any tips for anyone that isn't quite sure how to network? 
I can try, you know, I don't consider myself as the best networker, especially because I'm very introverted. And so I'm very quiet and shy and being in those big spaces is definitely challenging. But I think it depends on the context, you know. Um, so I go to a lot of conferences and when I do that, um, I select different workshops that really align with my research interests or areas that I want to learn more about. And so beforehand, I'll do my research about the speakers and presenters and who will be there. And after presentations, I'll go and introduce myself. And, you know, I'm sure both of you have heard about elevator spe uh, speeches and developing like a couple of sentences about who you are and what your interests are. And that's something that I've had to practice and that I'm getting better at because again, like I'm not a social person. I'd rather be like in the back of the room and um, meet someone like that way. But it does take a lot of energy, you know, to do that. But creating your elevator speech, I think is very important and maybe the first step in the networking process. And then it depends on what the goal of the networking is. If like you're looking to connect with professors or professionals in your area, then again, doing a little bit of research beforehand um, could be helpful. Since starting Latina Grad Guide, what is something that you have learned during the process? I've learned so many things. Um, I think I mentioned that like my Google Calendar is like my best friend. And so launching Latina Grad Guide has pushed me to be even more, um, to be better with my time management. It's hard and it's a lot of work. So I appreciate that that Latina Grad Guide has pushed me to be a little bit more, you know, to be better with time management. Mm -hmm. It's also pushed me to be like more social because like I mentioned, <laughs> I'm like an introvert. I say that I'm like a hobbit. Um, <laughs> I just like like to stay at home and just be with my family, but it's important to make those connections going back to that networking piece mm -hmm. and to put yourself out there and to put your work out there. So, you know, I've made a lot of amazing connections and friendships through Latina Grad Guide that I really appreciate that I don't think I would have if it wasn't for the platform. I've gotten to connect with individuals um, who are from our community who identify as Latina, Latino, Latinx, who are going to graduate school in like Canada or Europe, yeah. Mexico. So it's been really fun to be able to connect with those individuals as well. And just being able to provide support Never in a million years did I think that I would grow the community to the level that it is now and to still be able to provide support for people who are applying to graduate school or just be a space where you feel seen, heard, where you feel celebrated. And how do you choose like the resources to put on Latina Grad, grad Guide and how do you know like who to reach out to to like, you know, feature on Latina Grad Guide? Mm -hmm. So for the features, um, I developed like this Google form that I've distributed to like colleagues and I also have it on my link tree. If they're interested in sharing their story, they can submit it there. And then in terms of some of the resources, like for example, um, just recently I posted things that I did to navigate my first year in grad school. So a lot of those posts are based on my personal experiences and then I've you know, when I was looking at providing free workshops, like GRE workshops, for example, 
and providing free GRE and ALSA and CSAT prep books. The Princeton Review and Kaplan Inc. and Magouche are really large organizations that provide um, those services at a cost. And so I thought these, you know, our corporations, they make money. I'm sure that they would be willing <laughs> to provide some books for free or some workshops for free. And they were. And I was surprised, but really, I just, I asked. I emailed someone, they connected me with someone else, and that's how um, those resources have become available on Latina Grad Guide. For anyone that is in school right now that has a low GPA or does not feel like they can get into college and like they feel discouraged, what, would you, what advice would you give them? Your GPA isn't everything, um, especially if you're applying to graduate school, they take a holistic approach, but even for, for undergraduate, your GPA is one component of your applications. And depending on what school you're applying to, so for the UC system, for example, you have your personal insight questions, you have the list of extracurricular activities that you've done, all of those things are taken into consideration um, when the admissions reviewers are looking through your application. So don't let a low GPA stop you from applying to college, from applying to your dream school or program. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Like they could say no, or they could say yes, and you don't want to be the one stopping yourself from that opportunity. And you have accomplished a lot. And you, I mean, on top of it all, you founded Latina Grad Guide and are a first generation college graduate. What does all of this in the end mean to you, especially being Latina? Wow, I was not prepared for that question. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so much. I don't want to get emotional, but I think I am. Um, I think like everything that I do is really, yes, for our community, but especially for my sisters. And um, it's motivated by my grandparents and parents' story. And they came to the US like in the 1980s during the Salvadoran Civil War with nothing, absolutely nothing. And they left everything behind. Not that they had much, right? Because they were also poor in El Salvador. And growing up, I always wondered, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. Like, how I could repay my grandparents and parents' sacrifices. And my grandparents and parents always told me, like, just go to school. Like, that's what we came here for, for you to pursue a degree and make something out of yourself because we didn't have that opportunity. So for me, you know, having a bachelor's and master's and now a PhD, that's what it means to me. Um, it means making my parents and grandparents sacrifices worthwhile. Sorry, I got emotional too. So <laughs> I'm trying to not cry on camera. <laughs> um, but on a more lighter note, before we end, we have some rapid fire questions to ask you. The first question is, what is your favorite color? Pink. 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 <laughs> um, what is something that you have been proud to say that you have accomplished? I'm really proud of my sisters. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that's an accomplishment, like my accomplishment, but 
all of my sisters graduated college and now they're professionals in their own um, in their own right. So I'm really proud that you know we've been able to do that together. What is some advice that you wish you would have known when you were younger? You know, not to compare myself to anyone else and that my journey is my own, that it's unique. If you could have three people dead or alive for lunch, who would it be? Mm-hmm. My grandpa, my grandma, and my great-grandma, all family members, really. <laughs> and what does success mean for you right now? Happiness. I just want to be happy doing what I do and Um, And I think that I'm there. What is a book that you have recently read or are currently reading that you would recommend? Earlier this year, I read Unforgetting by Roberto Lovato. So it's a memoir about him and his family. He's Salvadoran American. And so um, there aren't a lot of books or novels about us and our community. So I really enjoyed reading that book. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Valerie. We learned a lot about you. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to sit down with us and talk. Can you let everyone at home know about any upcoming projects and where they could connect with you? Yeah, anyone can connect with me on Instagram at Latina Grad Guide. And um, we have a couple of projects in the works. If you give us a follow within the next two weeks, we have a major announcement coming your way. Awesome. Yay. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you. We really enjoyed learning about you. Thank you so much for inviting me.